thank you for P and Carl for the reading of the word. Carl, I guess I don't have to preach now. You already preached. So thank you uh, for such a powerful testimony uh, of coming home. Well, Great City, we are in the third week of our Advent series entitled Home. And week one, Bob told us that God is a wonderful counselor. We examine the family background of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, uh, 1 through 17, and discovered that Matthew lifting up four women, showing that Jesus came to this earth for male and female, rich and poor, slave and free. Week two, we looked at Mary and Joseph and how a mighty God comes forth in difficult circumstances and reside amongst his people, wrapping himself in a woman in which God's message and message is to deliver and save each and every one of us. But this week, we're back in the home of Mary and Joseph, the Savior, the King of the Jews. Our eternal Father is born. He's not just available to the Jewish people, but he is available to strangers, outsiders, and anyone who wants to come in the house. Let me pray for us. Our Father and our God, we thank you, we praise you for being the God of our salvation. Now, God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority, minister to our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children say amen. Grace City, Grace, verse 11 grabs my attention this morning. Here it is. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. For the time that's mine this morning, I just want to preach from the title, Coming to the House. Coming to the House. In my family, and probably yours as well, especially Carl's, there is always a home that becomes the central place where people gather. For me, it was my grandparents' house. It was the place my grandparents and my parents both raised their family. It's the place we called home. It is the place when Rashima and I got married um, and the deal did not go through, we had to say we're going back home. I remember having a lot of Christmases in this place and friends would come and play with my toys in this home. It was the place where you felt loved. It was the place where you felt attached. It was the place where you came together. It didn't matter if you were family or not. People would not, would come to this home. Being raised in Baltimore, I remember people saying, coming to the central home to visit and I remember them saying, I'm coming to the house. When I would go, when I would go to church and my grandmother, best friend, Miss Olivia, would say to me, tell your grandmother, I'm coming to the house. My grandfather, Uncle Bernard, would come and he would give us a phone call and say, tell your grandfather, Coy, I'm coming to the house. My mother, Laverne, would go out on the porch and, 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 and water the flowers and someone would yell up the street and say, hey, Laverne, I'm coming to the house. 
when someone had a need, people would come to the house. When my grandmother and grandfather passed away, people said to us, I'm coming to the house. The house is not necessarily where you live, but the house is where God's love and his light live. And friends and family, the love, when you see this love, you've got to come to the house. There is in this light that draws people. When they're drawn to this light, they say, I'm coming. The house is the place where there is hope. This house is the place where I can lay down my burdens. This house is a place where I feel accepted. This house is the place where I find my love. This house is the place where I don't feel like a stranger, but I feel like I belong. I'm coming to the house. I remember when I was a youth pastor and my young people would say, Minister Corey, I'm coming to the house. And one time my youth came to the house and we were all sitting around eating dinner at the table and suddenly a doorbell rang. I answered the door and someone who was unusual, who really didn't come to the house, it was their first time at the house, had rang the doorbell and Rashima had let this person in. And I will never forget the young people's face. They looked around at the table and said, in their eyes and to one another, who is this? Who is this stranger? I heard everyone uh, at the table wondering, why are they here? Sometimes, Grace City, I want you to understand that sometimes the light of God will draw people that are strangers and new, and it is our job to be the light for them. Great city, Jesus is the light of the world that shines his light on all people. All people are invited into God's house. And I submit this morning that the love of Christ that is shining and drawing people to the house, it lives in you and in me. So much about the Christmas story is about light leading us in the house. Everywhere you turn in Christmas, there's a story of light that's lighting up darkness. Each and every one of us have a light, and that light is what draws people to Jesus. At Advent, Christ is the light on the candlestick that gives light to the world. We are called Christmas candlesticks that shines light to the world so that someone might say, I'm coming home. Well, Howard Thurman put it this way, church. We are called to be the light candles, the candlelight of joy despite of sadness, the candlelight of hope where despair keeps watch, the candlelight of courage for fear ever present, the candlelight of grace to ease heavy burdens, the candlelight of love to inspire all who live, the candlelight that will burn all year long. Grace City, when these candles are lit, you will hear people say, I'm coming to the house. In our text this morning, we find the Magi coming to the house. The Magi are Arabs, Palestinian, Babylonians, but they are inquiring about the king of the Jews. Oh, y'all just missed it. I said they were Babylonians inquiring about the king of the Jews. There are people that are on the outside of the faith inquiring about the inside of the faith. Mm. The light 
is presented the hope that that's inside of this world that even strangers want to know about this light. The Magi saw a light that they wanted to adore him. But even as strangers who wanted, who saw this light and wanted to adore him, there was also Herod the king that wanted to destroy the light. The Magi heard and Herod interpreted, it, it, both interpret this light. One saw this light as something hopeful, but others saw this light as a threat. Well, let me put a cord in the media and park here for just 30 seconds. Every now and then, all of us have a light. There are some people that are interpreting your light. Your light, some places on your job will give hope, but other places it will be a threat. But I come to tell you this morning, keep shining the light regardless of their interpretation. The light is the threat to this oppressor power and position. So he will lie, cheat, steal, and get, do anything to stop this king. He to destroy this king. We know 700 years before uh, when, when Babylonia was in captivity and Isaiah chapter 60, it says, rise and shine for the light has come. The glory of the Lord rise upon. See the darkness covers the earth. The thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rise upon. His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and the king to the brightness of dawn. 700 years before Christ was born, Jews were enslaved by Babylonian, but it was prophesied that the oppressor would come to the light. Good God Almighty. Ah, y'all just missed that. That through, through 700 years, the same people that would oppress would be the same people that would come to the light. So, oh my God. If the Magi and Herod rang the doorbell of the Jewish people, People would have been looking around saying, what they doing here? But I come to tell you that it was prophesied 700 years before that the oppressed and the oppressor will come to this light. I heard one scripture say, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, that he is Lord. Jesus comes for the insider and the outsider. And if you're willing to come, in the house. The Magi are coming to the house because they have seen the light. The Magis are then called to this secret meeting with Herod. And the Magi want to honor Christ, but Herod again wants to destroy our Christ. Herod asked them to find and tell me when you come back so I can worship him. Christian kingdom position is the threat of Herod earthly position. Christ's position is a threat to Herod's position. But these Babylonians did something different. They wanted to come close to the king of the Jews. The text says in verse 10 that when they were looking up at the light, the star stopped. And when they stopped, they, verse 11 says, on coming to the house, these magis were right there at the house, and they were willing to come in. And when they came in the house, they saw Mary embracing her hope for her hopelessness. When they came in the house, they saw Mary right there embracing joy for her sorrow. When they came in the house, they saw Mary embracing peace in the midst of her storm. 
When they came in the house, they saw Mary embracing healing for her sickness. When they came in the house, they embraced the light of Christ. When they came in the house, Mary embracing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord. But they were willing to come in the house. And the question on this morning, are you willing to come in the house? When they came in the house, they came in the presence of God. That light was lit up for outsiders, the very presence of God, not for those who just on the inside, but even those who were on the outside. When they came in the house, Great City, they did two things. The first thing I see when they got in the house is they worshipped him. <laughs> the first thing I see is that they worshipped him. Here it is right here in verse of them. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, they got in the house, and they showed adoration for Jesus. They entered the house, and they started worshiping him. Worship is the awareness of who he is. They, this baby is the son of God. The text says they fall on their knees and worship. But worship, Paula, didn't start without praise. Praise is for what he has done. Worship is for who he is. See, praise is the illumination, but worship is the revelation. The worship, he was in the house, watch this, Paula, but the praise was outside of the house. See, the worship started in verse 11, but the praise started in verse 10. See, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Joy started outside the house. The worship started in the house. They started getting happy on the outside with a glimmer of hope. They got happy just seeing the position of the light. They didn't wait till the manifestation of what they were expecting to start praising. They got happy right where they were. Oh, y'all just missed it. They got happy with just a glimmer of hope. They praise and they praise and worship doesn't start once you get in the house. The praise and worship starts the moment you can get your eyes on some hope. The Magi praised in verse 10. So let me hermeneutically come and get you. Some of us can't wait to get out of 2020. I saw these memes of people saying they're going to praise God in 2021. But I submit that you don't have to wait until 2021 to give God a praise. Your praise starts when you get a glimmer of hope. You have made it to the end of the year. Praise God for a glimmer of hope. You still have a job in a bad economy. I think you have a glimmer of hope. Praise God. You still have food on your table. I think you have a glimmer of hope in 2020. Let's give God a praise. You have a vaccine on the way in 2020. I think we have a glimmer of hope. You don't have to wait until 2021. You can praise him right now. I dare you to get on social media, put some hands up, some hearts up, 
and praise God in 2020 for the glimmer of hope. Good God Almighty. The Magi praise started out the house, but the worship, Mary Lou, was in the house. These rich Arabs started bowing down at the presence of a Jewish God. Scholars believe that the Magi had money, power, and position. They were rich, but they laid down their power. <laughs> they laid down their privilege. They laid down their possessions. When these Magi came in the house, they found everything that they were looking for. They came, they see, they didn't come in the house looking for power because they already little had power. They didn't come in the house looking for privilege because little they already had privilege. They didn't come in the house for a position or possession because they already had position and possession. But they needed an everlasting father who will save their souls even though they were on the outside. They got everything that they need. And I love how the Apostle Paul put it. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Come on, let's give God a praise right there. The first thing I see is they worshiped him in the house. But the second thing I see is they treasured him in the house. The text says, then they opened their treasures, presented with him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave God the best that they had. When they came in the presence of God, they were compelled with generosity. They are willing to surrender all they have in an act of worship. They gave the best to God because God gave them their best. They were saved by the best sacrifice and the best gift that have ever walked the earth. And they were all willing and it inspired them to open up their treasure. They treasured the generosity of God. They treasured the hope of God. They treasured the grace of God. They treasured the mercies of God. They treasured the love of God. When they came in the house, they discovered a father, the grace of the father, the generosity of the father, and they were willing to lay it all down at the altar. What are you willing <laughs> this Christmas to lay down at the altar? Great theologian Howard Thurman writes this meditation gift at the altar. It says, I place this gift on my altar this Christmas, a gift that are mine as the years are mine. The quiet hope that floods the earnest cargo, my dreams, the best of all things for those I love. A fresh new trust for all whose faith is them. The love of life and God's precious gift of all. Seeing in each day the seeds of morrow, finding in each struggle the strength of renewal, seeking in person the face of my brother. I place these gifts on my altar this Christmas, the gifts that are mine as the years are mine. Great City, we're called to place our gift on the altar. The strangers worshiped him and they treasured him for the gift. And their generosity was like never before. Great city, let's worship him and let's treasure him.